All right. This might be uh, the wrong time to say this, but go Argentina. <laughs> All right. Um, hi, my name is Alfred, and um, uh, I'm here to give you a summary about VBS and what happened during the week and uh, cover a little bit about all the different things that, uh, that we learned about as well. Um, VVS was a, a very hot, intense, and long time, but it was also a wonderful time. We had over 180 kids. Um, in terms of the, uh, the volunteer helpers, uh, just in the K-6 to division, we had about 75 helpers, but if you include the uh, preschool division and the fun fair, it was easily uh, well over 100 people. And the beauty of all this was that it was a great, wonderful mix of people. We had uh, people putting up tents. We had uh, people uh, working in the kitchen, cooking up food. We had um, our ever-dedicated crew leaders uh, looking after their kids. Um, we even had, like, Jeremy as Dr. Paws, you know. I need to see that again. So, <laughs> it, you know, it really was a community, a village, if you will, and um, a, a great group of people coming together in different ways with different gifts. And uh, on Friday night, when we had an, an opportunity to interact with, a, with our physical community, that was even one step further. And um, so we often say, some, sometimes you hear, VBS is for the kids, but it's not really about the kids. It's about all of us. Um, together. And that made it really wonderful. Now, you know, the, 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 the other wonderful thing is, is that VBS, um, you know, we are not like the YMCA. We're not the Vancouver School Board. We're not just putting on a program, um, you know, when, when teachers go on strike to, hey, here's where you can drop your kids off for, for a few hours. Um, we're putting on something that is about Jesus. And so this morning, I want you to interact with VBS as well, all right? So um, before, before this, uh, I want to ask, how many people were part of VBS in some way this past week? In just any way, whether even if you're playing with us. Okay, that's a few of you. <laughs> now I'm going to ask the rest of you to interact with VBS. So the first thing I want you to think about is what do you believe about Jesus? And so, Megan, thank you. Um, I have a little one to six scale here for you to think about is where are you in your life about Jesus? Are you unsure? Are you um, wondering? Do you have some faith? Do you have total faith? No faith? Where are you? And I'd like this to be a theme for today, to, to uh, pull this through your mind as we go through uh, the Bible points today. Where are you with your, uh, at with Jesus? All right, so VBS. Um, welcome to VBS. Um, I want to show a little video here. It's actually called Welcome to Church, but kind of gives you an idea of how we're interacting with people spiritually and what kind of journey. Because when you come to VBS, we had kids from all over the place. We had volunteers from all over the place. We had uh, people who have um, been to church all their lives since they were little babies, and people who have never set foot on a church before in their lives. And so to make that interaction with this community, 
you know, it was challenging. But this is the kind of like, uh, this video is called Welcome to Church. It's about a minute long. And it kind of gives you an idea of how we're interacting with them. Thank you, Megan. Buckle up and hold on. At our church, we love God. Make no mistake about that. At our church, we believe in God's radical, unconditional, and unwavering love for us. At our church, we believe that Jesus is God. We also affirm that you may or may not believe that Jesus is God. And we're not asking you to change your belief system before you attend our church. We're simply inviting you on a journey toward Jesus. For years, churches have placed a high priority on Jesus as the get-out-of-hell-free card. At our church, we place the highest priority on Jesus as a live-life-to-the-fullest invitation. At our church, we believe every person has a dream deep inside their hearts, and that God put that dream there, not for our glory, but for His. At our church, we're not concerned with where you've been, but where you're going. In our church, we believe that the Bible is God's Word. It is real. It is living. It is active. We believe that people who don't go to church anywhere are not the enemy. They are real people who need the perfect love that only God can give. And we believe that God gives this love through, of all people, us. At our church, we do not and we will not display a holier-than-thou attitude toward anyone. We are all broken people, but he is putting us back together. And finally, and most importantly, at our church, we believe that Jesus really lived, that he really died on the cross, and that he really rose again on the third day. And we cannot and we will not candy coat or water down that message, ever. Today, you've chosen to sit yourself in the middle of a very safe place to hear a potentially dangerous message. Welcome to our church. All right, thanks, Megan. So, um, we have that. You know, we're here on a journey with you, but at the same time, we want to proclaim that Jesus died and rose for our sins, and we won't back down from that. But we're here to walk together with you and welcome you, no matter where you are uh, walking from in your life. All right, so we're ready to go through our Bible points, and uh, here's a little, little participation that you need. Uh, our Bible points are written here, and I want to thank the decoration crew for once again doing just an amazing job with all the decorations. But um, all, the, all the Bible points end, end with the phrase, um, Jesus loves you, and there's little actions that help us reinforce that point. So you could do this with me. It goes, Jesus loves you. Okay, can you say that with me? Jesus loves you. Perfect. So we're going to say the Bible points together. Can you say day one? Ready? Even when you're left out, Jesus loves you. Great. And this concerns uh, lepers. So I'm just going to turn there to Luke 17. We're not going to actually have an opportunity to uh, read through every single Bible passage, because it'll take too long, but uh, definitely want to thank Pastor Johnny as he led the Bible station, teaching, uh, immersing uh, everyone in the Bible in unique ways. This is what it says. Um, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and he's going to a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And I just want to quickly pause there, Leprosy was a disease where you're total outcasts, where you can't feel anything, and because you can't feel any pain, sometimes you lose your limbs. Interestingly enough, um, we had um, Raymond Kwong uh, come share about his, last week come share about his work with lepers in China. 
And he was saying last week that even though medication these days have really eroded leprosy, leprosies to this day are still treated as outcasts. So the village that he worked with was actually a leper's village where they were treated as outcasts. It was, it was quite amazing to, to hear that. Uh, so to this day, it still happens. Um, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them came back when he saw he was healed, uh, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And um, I found it quite interesting in the passage that the, the lepers, when they went to ask Jesus, talk to Jesus, they didn't go, Jesus, please help me. Uh, heal me of this leprosy. The first thing they did was acknowledge Jesus' master, because they say, they went to him, Jesus, master. So they acknowledged that he was Lord, but they also said, have mercy on us. So they weren't saying, please heal us. They were just saying, have mercy on us. And of course, Jesus healed. You know, when you're left out like those lepers are, it's really, really, really hard. And um, we had opportunities to learn at VBS about how to deal with people left out. But sometimes we have to look as, as adults, too, how we leave people out. I don't know about you, but the basement time uh, after service is over is probably one of the scariest time in the world for people, where there are people standing in circles, and if you're not in a circle, you're left out. So I really want to encourage you to open up your circles, open them up, welcome people in, and encourage you to meet each other. Learn from each other. And it's okay to say, hi, my name is, hello, my name is, and off you go. <laughs> You're, hello, my name's the child of one true king. Um, and, and open up those circles. You know, it is heartbreaking. Um, parents, parents of adult children, it is heartbreaking to hear uh, when you have your adult children leave um, because there's no one left to connect with them. And I don't have a magical answer, you know, uh, all I want to say to you, though, is don't lose faith. Maybe it's time to go to Jesus' master and say, Lord, have mercy on me. And um, lift your adult children to God. And, and um, they can come back. I've seen it happen. It's possible. It's never too late to come back. So parents, don't lose heart. All right. Ready to move to day two? You ready to say this with me? Okay. Say it together with me. Even when you're different, Jesus loves you. And this one is a very familiar passage about uh, the woman at the well. So it's at John 4. And I'm going to pick it up at verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman was coming by herself that uh, she um, um, was there in the hot, hot, hot sun. So you think this is hot. It was even hotter there. She was by herself because she too was different than everyone else. She was an outcast in her own way. And it says, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never 
thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He said, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. And let me pause there. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with the grade five sixes and explaining that little bit there was um, awkward. Uh, So we won't explain that this morning. But when you're home, kids, you can ask your parents about it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It said, sir, the woman... the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on the mountain, but you Jews claim that the first place where you must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do not know, for salvation is from the Jews. And rarely in the Bible does it say what God is seeking. Here's one of the very few places in the Bible where it tells you what God is looking for. It's right here. It says, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And the woman was very happy, and the woman went and told others this living water that she had. But the thought occurred to me after this engagement with Jesus, and the thought occurred to me is that next week, that woman had to come and draw water again. I don't know if there was any miraculous acceptance of that woman. If everyone said, okay, we'll draw water with you. That, she probably had to draw water again alone. And it's really hard because we're all different. Now, at VBS, the kids had had an opportunity to learn about uh, auti- kids with autism. And, and kids were different. And it was wonderful. I want to challenge us, though, uh, uh, for the adults here, a little bit, bit about something different in, in accepting differences. Something uh, that I've experienced. Um, I've had a wonderful pleasure of, of, of teaching Sunday school with a lot of uh, college students, and they are just a wonderful group. And one of the things that, and they're like, no, we aren't. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, one of the things that I learned from them is that everyone is different. And I've had uh, just wonderful people share honestly with me, oh, I didn't get into this university program. I didn't make it to university. I went to BCIT and I failed a course four times. Or I'm not going to uh, university at all. I'm going to work instead. And sometimes we have a culture where we want to say, you know what, everyone go to university, become a doctor, lawyer, be as successful as you want. But do we have a culture of accepting our differences? Are you ready to say, you know what, I don't care if you failed four times and you're working at whatever shop selling whatever. That's wonderful. That's great. And parents, are you willing to let your kids go? If my kids come up to me and say, hey, I want to work as an artist, am I ready to say, that's great, Trinity, you just do that. (laughs) Or am I going to freak out and say, no. (laughs) Flora, are you ready when Aiden says he wants to be a ballet dancer? Is that okay? So, I want to... I want to encourage us to accept ourselves and our differences. Not everyone's going to university. Not everyone's going to that path. And so let's take this lesson that Jesus offers living water, and let's go with that. It's a wonderful thing. Day three. You ready to say this with me? 
even when you don't understand, Jesus loves you. So let's turn to John for this. And I'll pick this up at verse um, 6. He, Jesus, came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you shall have no part of me. And then later on, Jesus said, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now you know these things. You'll be blessed if you do them. So one of the lessons we have, of course, is to wash each other's feet. I know Pastor Johnny went through an experience where the kids were, uh, leaders were able to wash the kids' feet. And that was a very powerful experience. Um, one thing that, that made me uh, think was, why did Jesus do this at this point? Very soon after this, Jesus would be crucified. Why didn't Jesus um, do the feet washing at the very beginning of this ministry? Wouldn't you want Jesus to show service right away at the very beginning of the ministry? Now, for the correct answer, you can ask Pastor Don later, and he'll give you a detailed answer. But let me give you what my take on this is, is that Jesus interacted with the people initially. The people perhaps were not ready to learn about feet washing right away at the very beginning. They wanted, Jesus wanted them to interact with him, to get to know him. And with service, that's what I think too, in the sense that there are many service organizations out there. You can go with any service organization that is purely secular, and uh, you can build schools in Africa, you can feed the poor, you can do so many different things. But Christian service is a little different. We interact with Jesus first, and then we work with him to serve. We join him in what he's doing. And I encourage you to do that. Interact with Jesus. Join with him what he's, he's doing. Um, I remember Einer once telling me, you know what, um, if you don't sing or you don't like kids, there's nowhere to serve. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I guess you're right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You could build tents and stuff. But don't let that be, uh, don't let our church be a necessary limit for you. There are many ways to interact with Jesus and see where he's working. If you love the homeless, Union Gospel Mission is there. Go join them. Learn from Jesus. Interact with them. If you want to work with uh, elderly people, holy family is just around the corner. Go join them. Interact with them. If you like special needs people, there's Joy Fellowship. Go join. Interact. Don't let that hold you back. There are many different ways to serve. Interact with Jesus. See where he's going. That was day three. Day four. Are you ready to say this with me? Even when you do wrong, Jesus loves you. And this is from Luke. It was a really long passage, so I'm actually going to pick it up from uh, verse, uh, chapter 23, uh, verse 32. Chapter 23, verse 32 is where I'm picking it up. Uh, two other men, both criminals, were also uh, led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, 
Uh, there they crucified them along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself. He is the Christ, the chosen one. The soldiers came and up and mocked him. They offered him white uh, wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And then the resurrection, chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But then when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In the fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember what he said to you while you are still in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And they remembered his words. And we had a really great discussion in our group talking about whether the resurrection or whether the uh, crucifixion was more important. And the, the, the important thing is they're both more important. Um, we had an altar call, and it was interesting. Somebody asked me, what's an altar call? <laughs> and an altar call is simply an opportunity for people to respond to God, to say, you know what, I believe in Jesus as my Savior. And that's what we did. And uh, Pastor Johnny led that, and many kids came to respond to God, to say, you know what, Jesus died for my sin, and I believe he rose again. Okay? And, you know, it doesn't have to be a formal prayer. You don't have to say, pray these things. A, admit your sinner. B, become, you know, you, can't, you don't have to do the ABCs. You have to believe Jesus as your Savior. You have to believe that he's, he's the focus of your life. And uh, we don't do enough altar calls here in morning service. But if you haven't had that opportunity, I want to uh, say, you can. It's okay, you know. Reach out for that opportunity, and maybe you could see Pastor Don or Pastor Johnny or Pastor Sam and say, I want to believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, because that's really important. All right, day five. You ready to say this with me? Even when you're afraid, Jesus loves you. And this is taken from Acts chapter 9. Now, this is a very familiar passage where Saul is blinded by the light, and then he has to get healed, but... At VBS, we took it from a different point of view. We took it from the view of Ananias, the person who had to go heal Paul. And he said this. He said, uh, I'm going to pick it up from uh, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. And as for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done for your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who come all on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their king before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
And we talked about Ananias. Wouldn't it be scary if God said, go, do this? Do you just go when uh, God calls you to do something? What if God isn't calling you to anything at all? How do you, uh, how do you deal with fear? I want to read you, to you a little bit from Crazy Love here by Francis Chan. And he talks a little bit about getting to know Jesus and about fear. All right, here's what he says. He goes, if you merely pretend that you enjoy God or love him, he knows. You can't fool him. Don't even try. Instead, tell him how you feel. Tell him that he isn't the most important thing in your life now and that you're sorry for that. Tell him that you've been lukewarm, that you've chosen something else over him time and time again. Tell him that you want him to change you, that you long to genuinely enjoy him. Tell him how you want to experience true satisfaction and pleasure and joy in the relationship with him. Tell him you want to love him more than anything else on this earth. Tell him you want to treasure the king of heaven so much you're willing to sell everything in order to get it. Tell him that you like what you like about him, what you appreciate, what brings you joy. He gives a sample prayer. Jesus, I need to give myself up. I am not strong enough to love you and walk with you on my own. I can't do it, and I need you. I need you deeply and desperately. I believe you are worth it, that you are better than anything else I could have in this life or next. I want you, and when I don't, I want to want you. Be all in me. Take all of me. Have your way with me. And later on he writes, Most of us use, I'm waiting for God to reveal his calling on my life as a means of avoiding action. Did you hear God calling you to sit in front of the television yesterday? Or go on your last vacation? Or exercise this morning? Probably not, but you still did it. The point isn't that vacations or exercise are wrong, but that we are quick to rationalize our entertainment and priorities, yet are slow to commit to serving the God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. The greatest blessing I received during the trips to the inner city was seeing God work in situations where he has to. As a result, I made a commitment to consistently put myself in situations that scare me and require God to come through. When I survey my life, I realize it's those times that have been most meaningful and satisfying in my life. They were the times when I truly experienced life in God. Are you ready to put yourself in situations that scare you? You're welcome to come to say out this year, too. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. Those are our five points of VBS. I want to end with another video. And just a comment about, about it before we begin. Uh, this year, our VBS had a huge different change in our uh, video series. We used to have a uh, video series known as Chatter. Chatter was a chipmunk. And uh, he was a very special chipmunk. We had a love and hate relationship with Chatter. He was furry and funny, but every single adult I talked to hated him. And so um, we switched uh, this year. Um, uh, we switched Chatter. I think Nicole and Justin did the, ch- uh, the new Kid Vid series, and it talked about uh, case studies about kids who are different, who are who are. Uh, who experience different things. So I want to do the same with you. Uh, this one is more of an adult video. I'm not going to... So kids, this won't really apply to you. You might want to close your eyes. But um, this is a, a little bit of a case study about maybe where some of you are feeling in your lives. And um, it doesn't contain a chipmunk, which is really good, too. It's called Plastic Jesus. Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm a Christian, and this is my story. Growing up, 
I never missed going to church. And when I was 12, I accepted Christ as my Savior. I was even baptized. It, it undoubtedly was a very important decision. It even affected how I lived in high school. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I had fun on the weekends. I had a girlfriend, a couple. But I was a normal high school kid. College was one big blur. But I did make it to church out of obedience. And after school, I married a great girl. And she's been a great influence on me. Life's been good. I have a house, three kids. I couldn't ask for more. I mean, sure, I worry about my future. I mean, my marriage, it could be better. And I need to spend more time with my kids. But, but things will be all right. I have my faith. You may not hear me talk about it a lot, but it's just because it's personal. But don't worry for me. My Jesus is real. All right. So I want to turn to you and, and ask you, um, is your Jesus real to you? That's a question I like to ask. Is Jesus real to you? Or are you like Ryan, struggling in some way, some aspect, or somewhere in between? I'm sure many of us are in between. What I want to extend out to you is that this is, if, if you feel like Ryan, if you feel like it's plastic Jesus, you're in the right place. This is where we want to journey together. We want to journey together, walk and talk about our faith, and learn how Jesus can be real. We want to take off those masks and see ourselves for who we truly are and be honest with each other. Because Jesus loves you. In a moment,